Good evening and welcome to the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees regular meeting on this day, Thursday, June 9th, 2016. The board is returning from closed session. So at this time I have announcements from closed session. 4.1, Public Employee Performance Evaluation, Superintendent President, no report. 4.2, a public employee performance evaluation, 2015-2016 faculty evaluation uh, that was approved for unanimously. Pub, excuse me, public employment under 4.4, uh, excuse me, 4.3, public employment general. Uh, the board unanimously approved the following appointments. Christopher Farmer, start date to be determined. <laughs> Ending date, June 30th, 2017, Director, Title V, Hispanic Serving Institutions, HSI, Grant Project. Initial monthly salary, $6,064 per month, equivalent to range 12, step B on the 2015-2016. Congratulations. Board approved the uh, full-time employment, classified Secretary 3, Student Support Services, SSS Trio, Michelle Hinchcliffe. A start date, June 14, 2016, step placement range 17.5, step I on the classified salary schedule. Board approved uh, full-time employment, tenure track faculty, chemistry instructor, Dr. Joshua Hansen. Start date, August 11, 2016. End date, May 27, 2017. Step placement, step seven on the contract regular faculty academic salary schedule. Board approved tenure track faculty counselor, Tiffany Hope Scott. Start date, August 11, 2016. Ending date, May 27, 2017, plus 23 extra days. Step placement, step six on the contract, regular faculty, faculty academic salary schedule. Board approved tenure track faculty, mathematics instructor, Lisa Neustorfer. Start date, August 11, 2016. Ending date, May 27, 2017. Step placement, step seven on the contract, regular faculty academic salary schedule. approved tenure track faculty mathematics instructor Cliff Nelson start date August 11 2016 ending date May 27 2017 step placement step six on the contract regular faculty academic salary schedule board approved tenure track faculty full-time medical surgical nursing instructor Karen Lewis start date August 11 2016 Ending date, May 27, 2017. Step placement, step 12 on the contract, regular faculty, academic salary schedule. Board approved, temporary classified administrator, grant funded. Interim director, economic workforce development, Charles Monahan. Start date, June 27, 2016. Ending date, 
June 26, 2017, or until position is filled a regular basis, whichever occurs first. Monthly salary, $77.46 per month, equivalent to range 15, step D on the 2016-2017 Administrative Confidential Salary Schedule. Thank you very much. Board also took the following uh, action on 4.4 Public Employment College President. I'd like to read the following resolution Napa Valley Community College District, County of Napa, State of California. Resolution regarding extension of contract of Superintendent President Ronald Kraft. Resolved by the Board of Trustees of the Napa Valley Community College District, County of Napa, State of California, that whereas President Ronald Kraft's current three-year contract is set to expire on June 30, 2017, and whereas pursuant to the contract, the Board must provide notice to President Kraft by June 30, 2016, whether it intends to renew the contract. And whereas the Board believes the district will benefit from President Kraft's continued leadership of Napa Valley College, now, therefore, it be resolved that the board renew the current contract for a period of three years from June, check that, from July 1st, 2017 through June 30th, 2020. And be it further resolved that the parties may make non-monetary revisions to the terms and the contract will be announced and made publicly available once fully executed. And be it further resolved that this action does not preclude the board from considering and acting upon a motion to increase compensation under the new contract during a properly agendized public action item at a regular regular passed and adopted by the Board of Trustees of the Napa Valley Community College District in Napa, California, this ninth day of June, 2016. I am also uh, required to read the the vote. Please note the, uh, the following. Trustee Baldini, Trustee Rios, Trustee Busenbark, Trustee Mancuso, Trustee DeGuardi, and Trustee Iverson voted aye, and Trustee Martinson voted no. No uh, absent trustees. Moving on to... 4.5, nothing to report, 4.6, nothing to report, 4.7, nothing to report. This uh, brings us to 5.2, the Pledge of Allegiance. Kelsey, will you lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? Please stand. Thank you, Kelsey. I just want to apologize for the delay in, in returning from closed session. As, uh, we had uh, quite a bit of work to do. Thank you. At this time, I'd like to, uh, uh, we're at 6.1, public comment in general. I skipped the adoption oh, in general. I I'll move approval. I certainly did. Thank move. you very much. It's been moved improperly. Seconded. Is there any changes that, I, that you're incorporating? 
Not unless Carolee is. I'm, we're looking no changes. So all in favor of adopting the agenda, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed. Aye. Then thank you very much. We move to six point one public comment guidelines. I need to read faster, I believe. Um, at this time, the board will devote a total of up to 15 minutes for comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future board agenda. No action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Individuals will be limited to a five-minute presentation. At this time, uh, I will pull those uh, in attendance regarding their intent to speak on any item on the agenda. Uh, and I will note that the public will have the opportunity to speak to any action item uh, as we move forward. This is for items not appearing on the agenda this evening. Uh, Carolee, do we have any speaker cards? No speaker cards. So no, I we do will, not. Uh, uh, 614, I'll open up the public comments. Uh, no one come through the doors. I will close the public comment section. That moves us to 7.1, is that correct? For those listening at home, we have a, a new uh, our board documents, which is kind of guiding us through this meeting, and that's what I'm reading from. So uh, 7.1, Academic Senate Report, and that would be Amanda. Good evening, Amanda. Good evening. Board. Um, as I've already given remarks, I will make these rather brief. I just wanted to um, comment on the great turnout on students uh, at commencement exercises a couple of weeks ago now. And, um, and despite the attendees having to fight traffic <laughs> to get here, um, it, I thought it was actually quite a wonderful ceremony. I also want to take this opportunity to um, thank the board for uh, confirming the hiring of a number of new faculty and uh, also extend congratulations to my colleague to the right here who uh, is now the director of the HSI grant project. Thanks. Congratulations, Chris. I'm sure you will do a great job. Um, and just on the issue of hiring, we are, as I've mentioned in my earlier remarks, um, right now we are facing the challenge of a number of hiring committees going on um, and in the hopes of getting an inter interim VPI in quite soon as well as a number of deans before the start of term, uh, of fall term. So uh, in my role as Senate President, I get to appoint faculty to all of those committees, um, which is a bit of a challenge now that we're off contract. I believe, have faith that my colleagues, though, will be able to um, serve on these committees, and we will get excellent results. And I think at that I will close. Thank you. Mr. Chair, may I inquire, uh, with your elections, do you, your, did, you, did the Senate and the uh, and the, uh, the association had elections. Senate, no. We we are two-year stents in the academic and senate. And what about the uh, 
Uh, I'll let her. Union. Oh, okay, thank you. Very much. 7.2 Administrative Confidential Senate Report. Ken Arnold. I don't have a microphone, so I'm going to go over here. Um, not much of a report. Chris, uh, welcome to, to, to the ranks, uh, and we look forward to having you serve with us. Uh, the same, I'll just echo Amanda's statement, a lot of the hiring committees, and so it is stretching the administrative staff very thin because there's, frankly, not a lot of us, and that, that seems to be our the, the big one trying to come up with that. Other than that, I don't have a report. Thank you very much, sir. I just say congratulations on, uh, I see that the parking lot's going to be at least uh, tarred and feathered, oh, no? Yeah. <laughs> 7-3, Associated Students of Napa Valley College Report, uh, Gabriel Sanchez, our former student trustee over the past. Kelsey, do you have a report? I could absolutely report that the oncoming student government, um, the whole group of them, whether they're on the board or they're senators or whatnot, uh, they are all in training as we speak at the leadership conference. Thank you very much. 7-4, the Classified Association Report. Dan Sharp. 75 Classified Senate Report, Christopher Farmer, President, Director at Ensign. Yes, sir. Uh, well, thank you. Um, we did have our Classified Senate elections, and we are welcoming three more people onto our board. We have uh, Cherie Marcos from IT stepping on. We have Catherine Rhino um, from Office of Instruction stepping on as our Senator of Professional Development. Sorry, Cherie stepping on as Secretary. And Scott Allen is stepping on as our Senator of Ad Hoc. And then Donella Estrada is staying on as Fundraising, and Amanda Frost is staying on as Social. So we've retained a couple of our old-timers and brought on three brand-new people, so we're really excited uh, going into this year. We have big plans. Um, which makes the next part a little bit harder. Um, it was been a great year in this room with all of you. I've learned a lot. Um, it's been an honor and a privilege to be classified Senate president, but Napa Valley College is my home, and um, well, I'm not going to get choked up, but <clears throat> Napa Valley College is my home, and I'm going to do my very best to make it the best college possible for every one of us in this room. And I look forward to talking to you about the HSI grant in the near future. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, speaking for the board, uh, they've uh, asked me to express their sincere appreciation to you for your work. Job well done. It's been a pleasure having you here. And we reserve a seat for you uh, over in the right. So it's always there for you. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, 7.6, uh, Faculty Association Report, Diana Shibodi, President. Well, hello. So I'll start with the election first, since that was um, a question asked. We did have our election. It seems so long ago now. Only it was like a week ago, but it seems like forever. Um, we did um, um, have an election, and we did have three positions that were contested. The first one was the position of presidency, which was contested. Um, and I did win. 
So, um, <laughs> so I am um, still president. Um, you know, you're never sure on those things if that's a, a good thing or a, or a less fortunate thing. But um, so our VP one is remains Christy Iwamoto. She is English um, faculty. Our VP two is Sean McCann. So he is our new grievance officer. Our previous grievance officer, Karen Larson, um, decided to take a break for a little while. And so Sean is an AJ um, Administration of Justice um, faculty member. Our new treasurer is Bonnie Moore out of biology. And she, um, Diane Van Dusen, was, has been the treasurer for years and years and years, and she decided she was kind of all done doing the checkbook. Our secretary is Christine Palella. She is English faculty, and she is... Um, Jim um, McGowan was the previous secretary, and he is an incoming division chair, so decided to do one of those tasks at a time, and division chair is where his skills are most needed at this point. And our part-time rep, this was also a contested position, and Carlene Curry is an adjunct um, English faculty member and has been for many, many years, and she is our new part-time representative. Our negotiators are not elected um, at Napa, they are po- appointed by the president of the association, and we will see some changes in our negotiators going into the next school year, um, which was yet to be um, be seen. So that is one thing. The elections are done and over. And um, one, I would like to say we did reach um, some happy resolution to one item that we had been discussing at the table that has been resolved. Ron and I have both signed off on an MOU regarding the salary advancement projects that are in currently in our contract, although effective immediately they are no longer in our contract since we both signed the MOU. The Senate and the association both unanimously voted to eliminate those projects. Um, so we are happy that that came to resolution at the table and now is officially um, completed with the signatures um, by Ron and I on that MOU. We still have um, remaining concerns about the coordinator reorg that I mentioned at the last special meeting a couple weeks ago or last week. It's kind of a blur. Um, those concerns do remain. We, um, I would also like to um, congratulate Chris. And the question burning in my mind is, does that mean he leaves the research office? Because that's sad. <laughs> but um, I guess we'll have to, well, that's kind of a bummer too. So it's hard when people can't do two jobs. Um, but I hope that um, we are looking forward to um, the rest of this summer and going into the next academic year um, positive and hoping for movement and some resolution to some remaining concerns that we have as an association and to thank you for your time, and I hope that you all get some breaks this summer also. Thanks. Thank you very much. Congratulations, Diane. Oh, thank you. Moving to 8.0, the Superintendent President's Report. We'll let uh, President Kraft run through the 8.1 through 8.4. Hi. Um, Carolee, as the director, is going to do the um, um, foundation? Actually, I have... Um, I have Gerard Martin's written report that I will email to you. It contains the new elect, uh, the new officers' amendments to the bylaws and some other action that they took. Can but you the, go over the new officers um, on that? Is it listed as well or no for you? Um, I know you're going to email it. 
Yes. No, uh, well, Gerard Martin is the president, and uh, Linda is the vice president. Linda Butterworth, excuse me. Yeah, he had a, um, I've forgotten what he was off to, a um, Hispanic chamber or something tonight that he's also president of. So um, he he will um, arrange, he said, in the future to try to be with us um, at the beginning. Um, vice president's report, well... I don't know whether or not you have something, Bob. You probably do. Well, I do, actually. And so we just wanted to report that we did receive uh, on June 1st information regarding our redevelopment property tax trust fund uh, allocation. And uh, so this is the letter that we received just telling us the process that they go through in order to distribute those funds. And then, Carolee, if we could look at the uh, second document there, and so this is the listing of the allocations which, uh, which agencies within Napa County receive funds and how much they receive. And so you can see that we'll be receiving $156,000 uh, from the RDA. These funds that uh, come to us come basically in two pieces. So there's a piece that is specifically for um, or listed as uh, – in uh, money that is available for facilities projects. And then there's a second piece, which is basically property tax uh, revenues. The property tax revenues, and it's 47.5% that goes into property tax revenues, so that's about $74,000. And then 52.5% is what we use for facilities or for capital outlay. That's about $82,000. The money for, since we're never quite sure how much money is coming in. We don't typically include this in our budget. Um, however, the money that comes in for the general fund, the 47.5% that's considered property taxes, that actually adds to the amount of property tax revenue that we get, which then could result in a decrease in the same amount in our appropriations funding because that's how our appropriation from the state is calculated. You know, this is... They calculate the amount of money that we would receive in apportionment revenue, and then local revenues like property taxes reduce the amount that would come from the state. However, the facilities amount, the $82,000, actually allows us to uh, do some additional capital projects. And so those uh, funds will be available in the coming year. Question for you, sir. How close are we, speaking of that, that basic aid as far as the county property taxes, how close are we to being totally independent of the state, if you will? This is the last last piece of property sold under redevelopment that gets split like this. The the big parcel with the fire museum, and I've mentioned this before, that building, that property, which sold for over a million dollars, was bought was purchased using HUD money, so under HUD regulations, that one point three has to go to CDGB, uh, which is community block grant funds for you know there's applications made for different nonprofit uh, projects, but the city can also use it for uh, improve uh, uh, curb cuts, sidewalks for areas where disabled. Uh, you know, live so 
as I understand it, this is it. This is the big chunk. I mean, the the last chunk. Thanks, Joanne. And so we are, as we as property taxes increase in uh, Napa County or the revenues from property taxes increase and the amount of money that we receive in terms of appropriations from the state or the total calculation doesn't increase at that same rate. We are, be- we are coming every year. We're inching closer to being basic aid or community funded. We are not quite there yet. We still expect to receive some appropriations from the state, certainly receive them this year and expect have them in the budget to receive them next year. But it is likely, if the trend continues, that we will be approaching or be at basic aid within the next few years. What does that mean, basic aid? Well, basically what it means is that all of our funding comes from local sources, so from property taxes and from enrollment fees. The, The beauty of that is that if property taxes and uh, enrollment fees exceed the dollar amount that the state would give us in, in apportionment or appropriations, we keep that excess. And so uh, other basic aid districts throughout the state, districts that have been basic aid for a number of years, like uh, South Orange Community College District, Miracosta, um, they actually benefit from the fact that their property taxes are significantly higher their property tax revenues and local revenues are significantly higher than what the state, that $4,600 per, per uh, FTES, it's significantly higher than what that calculation would be. Thank you, sir. Jessica, do you have something for Oscar? <clears throat> and Jessica Erickson is sitting in for um, oh, Oscar DeHaro tonight. Yes, I do. Good evening, and I'm glad to be here on Oscar's behalf. Um, I do have several things that Oscar asked me to report to the board um, and that is first, uh, and I will provide this uh, to Carol Lee so it can be in the in the record. Um, but the Welcome Center campus visit that that will be happening on June sixteenth from nine to twelve p.m. It is hosted by the Welcome Center staff and the student ambassadors, and the it is the guests will be from Silverado Middle School, the Avid program. So it's a summer program that they have. There will be approximately fifty students in attendance. And there will be presentations from the performing arts area, welding, and MESA. And so we're very happy to host yet again another large group of, and this isn't even the largest. I know you've heard we've had several hundred students um, from our middle schools. But this is another exciting summer uh, program. There were also a number of counseling staff who attended an American Canyon High School career fair on June 7th. Um, So fairly recently, we had Gwen Kell and Jeanette McClendon and Marcy Sanchez and Mark Martin, who were in attendance at that event. So we're very glad to have our counselors out in the, out in the high school. Um, so it was actually targeting not just the students, but also the parents. So, um, so that's a really, it was a great opportunity to outreach to our American Kenya, Canyon students. Um, the third um, item I wanted to share with you was, uh, is a, the upcoming and very exciting summer orientation and early registration sessions that will be offered June 17th and 18th. It's coordinated by the Counseling Division faculty along with specialists from the Transfer Center, SSS TRIO, EOPS, with assistance from Public Safety and the Student Health Center um, mandated the Campus Save Act um, needs to be part of the orientation, so that's included financial aid, admissions and records, 
and the Welcome Center and Student Ambassadors. So it's really a collaborative student services effort to really make sure that our, our, our new students, our incoming um, new students, our freshmen basically, are, are really well taken care of and oriented. And in addition to their orientation, they then qualify to register early. So they'll be able to register um, earlier than, than other counterparts who have not. And it is open to all students. So it's, there's, you know, there's no special list to get on. You just go into our website and the student could register into this early registration opportunity. This year's marketing efforts, they did a really, really good job um, reaching out um, to the local media outlets such as the Napa Register, um, Lavoz, which is the Spanish newspaper, American Kenyan Filipino newspaper, Twitter, Peach Jar, Facebook posters, and the Napa Valley, or excuse me, the Napa County Grad Night, and information at the school, say, school sites and presentations and during the assessment process, so as they were out in the high schools doing assessment. Um, the efforts also, so the, the, the marketing efforts also included information about summer and fall enrollment, which, of course, we are working hard to increase. So um, my last item to report is regarding the graduation petitions. I am very pleased to report this is just a record year for petitions, so we're very, very excited that um, our grand total is 1,389 petitions, um, which is, is it's a really impressive number. Just to give you an idea, last year was a, a little over 800. So this is a huge increase, and I, I, I have to say that it's the efforts of, of, of everyone on this campus that are helping to get our students to, to their next step in graduating and moving on to where, wherever they're going um, and some of them hoping to take a summer class, too, before they leave. <laughs> um, anyway, I guess that's just the enrollment part of me saying. Um, and th that is my report for this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see. We don't, I think that I cover my veeps here. Are we all, are we all right? Um, well, a, a couple different issues, then. Let me just move on to the superintendent president's report. A um, couple things, just some announcements generally. I'd like to recognize Amar Abbott, who's sitting out there in the audience. Congratulations, Mr. Faculty Member at Taft um, Community College. And moving along. It's good to see you. Um, a couple other things. I want to I thank the board um, for your consideration and confidence tonight. The, the, this um, extension of the contract for me is important, and I think um, you know, leadership is not without its challenges, albeit I'll, I'll ensure um, to comments earlier made by Amanda and other leaders that we've talked about that faculty and constituents and I continue to work very closely together. I think we've um, achieved a lot in the last few months and, and year, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, I've shared with the board before and generally other boards, one of the keys to success Long-term success for an institution is CEO continuity. Um, it is the, the, probably the most disruptive piece. So in, in that case, I'm, I'm happy to continue to serve and happy to be here. Um, I would like to, moving along here, we have an opportunity for you board members to ride on a float um, on July 4th um, in the beautiful downtown Napa Parade. So I've been asked that if you um, would like to do that, um, you're, you'll be so honored. You can throw Smarties and stuff to the crowd as you pass by. It's it's always a very good thing. Will the school provide costumes for us? We will, actually. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 
So hey, if, sure. if you'd like, um, contact Carolee and, and, um, or Scott Allen. And probably you directly, right, would be better. Yeah, you know, so. and uh, we just need your T-shirt size. Yes. What time is that? What uh, at length of the? Starts at 8, and it runs into the afternoon around 1 or 2, I believe. <laughs> I thought, really? No, no. Um, thanks for that. Um, a couple things on the on the uh, superintendent's report. There's a lot of budget information, just because this may revise time, and, and I've, I've put there some for you. Um, it, the revise is, is very good for us, generally speaking, the governor's revise. Um, I, I put all these numbers up front to just show you, and you can read more at your leisure, to show you the influx of dollars into the system. The second paragraph starts to talk about a few things that I was disappointed about. You know, there's no funding for COLA, which is um, unfortunate. I believe there will be funding for COLA next year, but the data really show no federal economic um, um, pricing um, increases. Um, after some deliberation, I've written in here, the legislative houses adopted their respective versions of the budget last week. Now they're going to work back and forth. They, they did reject a couple things in here. Um, instance, the assembly rejected the $20 million proposal to increase online courses. Both houses rejected the $25 million for in innovation awards. And they, and they both reduced the funding level for deferred maintenance and instructional equipment, which was a bit disconcerting. But um, they did... Um, plow more money in Veterans Resource Centers, which is good for us. New Promise Programs, which is the you know, free education for all kind of process, if you will. Um, more full-time faculty hiring will come down, and I'm excited about that possibility for us. Um, the Senate also used the savings to restore part-time faculty office hours, um, CalWORKs, MESA, Puente programs. So generally speaking, they're, they're going to meet behind doors this next week or so. Um, there'll be more coming out a little bit and um, find some middle ground. Some of these, um, I picked these up from the chancellor's update that was sent to me two days ago. So I think that these are pretty current. They should be in pretty good shape here. Prop 30 is pretty good. There's a couple numbers that might pop out um, on this for you. Um, the the um, proposed ballot initiative, if you've been following it, is to increase it for 12 years. Um, currently a signature verification process. It looks like that's going to go forward. Um, last Thursday, the Public Policy Institute of California reported that 64% of adults surveyed supported it. 58% are likely voters. So if, you know, who knows, we have a long way to go, right, before the election. But if it holds, this has a really good opportunity of passing. We have built some of this um, declination into our budget forecasts. So, this would be good news for us and would put us in, in better shape. Um, if, if you have a chance to support this, I think um, from the educational standpoint, it's a very supportable bill. Education and healthcare groups are taking the lead here. No change in the 500 million adult ed block, except um, they did uh, add an additional 5 million for one-time monies. I put up a, um, an AEBG, which is the adult ed block grant um, website down there for you. We are in a consortium with Napa Valley Unified, and um, we're moving forward on that. Generally speaking, Bob's on that, and um, Terry was, and so I'm not sure who else. Rebecca Scott from, from the college. Um, generally speaking, the, the, the transition of some adult ed programs to the community college was the original plan. Um, they, it went too fast at the beginning, so the governor 
backed away from that plan and said, let's work together as regional consortiums. Do what you do best and continue to do that. Uh, uh, the adult ed program at Napa Unified does a really good job. We're augmenting some of that job, and now we're deciding how to move forward. Um, but I think it's a win-win for all of us. And, and um, excuse me, and, and I'll bring you more on that as we move forward. Statewide facilities bond is also tracking pretty well. Um, this is a big bond. You might have heard about it, $9 billion state school bond, of which um, $2 billion of that would be for community colleges. Um, there is some controversy on the K-12 side. They didn't have historically as smooth a, a process for distributing statewide facilities bonds monies. The, the community college system, however, does a, a better job. Um, I can't tell you what it would do for us at this moment, but as it starts to play out, especially if it passes, we'll have a much better idea um, about how it will fund some um, Napa Valley College pieces. There's a Board of Governance, um, Board of Governors sponsored ledge I put in here as well. They, they come out with their own legislative agenda. A couple things. There's some SBs in here. Um, strong Workforce Task Force is one of them. Both bills have strong support. Um, is they move this is priority registration for DSPS and EOPS students. Um, there's another one, SB 1725, to increase um, Cal Grant A's and B's, and Cal Grant B to community college students enrolled in occupational or technical training courses. That's good. Um, that's an increase, and um, they recognize that more students are coming into that system. So this will allow more students to, to finish their programs. Um, Hartnell, Col this is interesting. This little piece down there that says at the May board meeting, a governor's meeting, and there's a link here for you um, at, I don't, how do you say that, Vimeo? Is that right? Yeah. Um, Hartnell College and CSU Monterey Bay are doing this um, CS in three. That's what that stands for. And basically what they're, what they're doing is linking, rather than doing the community college bachelor program, they're linking um, to say that, you know, um, you can start here in combination with Hartnell and graduate with your bachelor's degree in computer science in three years. Very nice program. I like the idea of this. It's really caught fire throughout the system, at least in conversation. There, as you can see, though, there's a lot of, you know, how does it work? What are the logistics for faculty and staff? So it, it's a, um, an interesting concept at this point in time. I, I would advise you, if you have a chance, to check out that, um, that uh, video. Accreditation up, update. Um, the two work groups of CEOs in the state, one is working on how to better improve the ACCJC. The other work group is looking at how the system might look at other accrediting agencies um, that would more align the community colleges with colleges and universities. And um, I'm on that second work group. There's also an update there from the Community College League, a link that you can, um, you can uh, take a look at. Um, next page is, let's see. Um, I, I think the last sentence here, NBC continues our planning to address um, ACCJC site planning. Formal report, um, looks like a typo there, will be presented at the August meeting, um, outlining next steps, what we, what we need to identify, where we are, and really lay out um, what it looks like for the, the fall. We're spending a lot of time over the summer working with it, a meeting almost daily with um, Dr. Warnall and, and um, trying to figure out the best possible way to gather this information so we're ahead of the curve. What we want to do is be proactive, 
address the concerns that were brought up in the report and um, show our, our um, improvement. NBC commencement ceremony, very successful. I, um, I may have a, a, a wrong number in here. Um, I think I had 1,396, but you said 1,389, so I wrote that down because you're the, you're the numbers wonk. Biggest in history of the college, really great. And we, I think we had a, we had a post um, meeting uh, kind of analyzing commencement, a really good meeting. And I, and I think the, the piece that I walked away with is um, we're a little bit of the victim of our own success. It's getting so big and wonderful now that we need to more formalize it. It's, it's resided, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say that. It's resided? Is that, the, is that an okay English word, you guys? Yeah? Yeah? It's residuals? No. Um, it has been in the student services um, umbrella, and uh, Martha Navarro has been in charge of this for years, and it's grown too big now. So the, one of the proposals from the post committee was to create a, uh, a commencement and events um, committee, um, tuck that into uh, a district committee structure so then we could adequately plan this over the year, have more more input, and also fund it because it, it costs money to run this. So right now we just cobble together dollars. And um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, the County Alliance for Senior Education um, is an on-campus club. They're getting very strong in their outreach. Um, this is a 50-plus club. Um, of note, there are at, at least 30 members. They meet weekly, and they're growing um, by leaps and bounds. Um, as, as we've talked about it as a group, um, um, the, uh, the demographic here of this, of this student group for us is growing. This is a very viable and important student group, target market for the college moving forward. They not only attend community-based activities and lifelong learning, but they are interested and active in pursuing degrees. They're interested and active in pursuing certificates, and they're interested and active in pursuing education at all levels. So it, it, it is a, uh, an important uh, aspect that they're growing here. Um, they are having a, one of their events on June 16th, you might note that, 9 to 3, it's all day in the, in the Performing Arts Center. It's on elder abuse in Napa County. And I encourage you, it'd be, it's a good, uh, be a very good opportunity for you to, to check in and see what they're doing. Um, I've noted a couple of things here on instruction area planning, and we noted a little bit about this. Um, if you can roll it up just a little bit. This is the instructional area reorganization that's been underway for a couple years or so. Um, there, it's... Uh, I'll just read a little bit. It's been widely discussed, planned, and shared across the district. Um, iterations of this org chart have looked different, but the concept has remained pretty pretty stable. I'm going to. I was just talking with uh, Amanda and Diana. I'm going to roll out to faculty tomorrow. Um, one of the final the, the final version of this, so they also look at it. You have seen it as a board. The, they have seen it as leadership. The administrative confidential has seen it, and most of the senates have. So it's certainly not a secret out there, but I don't think it's been broadly shared as a document with faculty, and, and we need to do that. So I'll be doing that tomorrow as well. As we undertake, as you heard before, um, our um, aggressive, you know, assertive um, um, HR uh, undertaking for this summer, we have several deans to um, 
to find and fill. I think we're on track. We hope to seat all of these um, professional administrators um, by the end of August um, is the goal. We have one more to post, and that's our career and technical education dean. That will be posted. um, I don't think we did that today, right? Not up? Yeah, it will be on Monday then. Uh, Monday, and we just have a a little bit of fine-tuning on that. Um, I appreciate faculty, you know, pitching in. I I mean, as Amanda said, it's really difficult to find folks over the summer. Um, They're paid for their time here, and that's good and and important, but um, it's also wonderful that we're we're, uh, pitching in. Uh, All administrators are all on every team because there aren't a lot out there. So um, everybody's kind of doubling up um, the best we can. We're on track for our um, VPI interim with um, interviews happening next week. There's some selected community and uh, college events there. I, I just put a few here. Um, this is certainly not all I do and doesn't include a lot of the constituency pieces and, and other pieces, but it gives you a flavor of kind of where we are and, and how we're perceived out there. So with that, I guess, I'm looking to make sure that I'm, I'm uh, all done. I am good. Is there anything else here that we need to be doing, Charlie, that you're seeing? I'm getting used to, as you, oh, that public information. I'm getting used to board docs as, as you are. The public information report is there for your reading. I think it's posted. It basically is a clipping service that shows our lineage and, and um, editorial content. Um, again, we have a very, very high profile in the community. And um, everywhere you go, people are now saying, you know, I hear it more than I say it now. It's great you guys are number one. And um, it's a, uh, it's a, a mantra out there that's, that's going to be tough to hold on to. Um, we'll see as we, as we uh, move forward in the new ratings that come out next year. Um, here's one of students who head to D.C., and you probably saw that as well. And um, you, you can take a look at any of this at your leisure. Thank you. That's all for tonight. Thank you very much, Dr. Kraft. Uh, moving to 9.0 approval minutes, 9.1, the minutes of May 12, 2016, as proposed. Any discussion on, on this? Those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you very much. If you wouldn't um, mind, could we test the online voting? Oh, yes. It was all going so smoothly, too. And then now, yeah. (laughs) Drum roll. Feedback. This could be good. Oh, I did it, but it's back. Right. Only vote once. (laughs) Yes. Only one vote per person. You, no, not in this view. We're working. It, are, are we going to see? I think he just asked. Are we going to see this in, eventually on the screen, or what? What's the plan generally? Um, we had a discussion at the pre-board workshop on what would be best for the public to see, mm-hmm. and um, the public view of the agenda was uh, the favored outcome. But mm-hmm. I might have a workaround that will allow me to toggle between the scoreboard, mm-hmm. which is the other view, and this view, but I'm not 100%, and it's not working tonight. Okay. 
So if we were to see that, it would it would list each board member and then yay or nay. Is that what it would look like? And then a total. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. So thank you. We closed the voting. It was unanimous. Close. Robin Run. It worked. A ten point one zero information discussion items, ten point one child development center annual self study. I'd like to introduce Daryl Whitaker, who is the director of child development. And this is an annual report, Daryl. This is. And um and there is some explanation and then exchange of of ideas and information with the board. Thank you. Thank you. I was up here last year at this time. I was here all of six months, and so I've been here a year and six months now. And uh, I appreciate working here. And um, just recently went through the President's Leadership Institute. Is that what we're calling it? Napa Valley College Leadership Academy. Leadership Academy. And uh, they said to start with a story, so I want to give you a little story about uh, an investment that was made by the California Community Colleges um, into a student who uh, had two preschool children and was interested in college, first time uh, coming to a college at all for anybody in his family, um, stepped onto a college campus. First class that the student took was child development. Um, soon enrolled two preschool children into the CDC. And um, the satisfaction that that student had uh, for the CDC was um, was without words. Um, so satisfied because the children were taken care of in a safe environment. The student could focus in on his studies um, and not worry about the that the children weren't being taken care of uh, properly um, and knew that the, the CDC was a quality place to um, have his ch children. Of course, you probably realize I'm talking about myself, and that investment was made 27 years ago. Um, so I have an investment in the CDC as well. So I wasn't this CDC, but it was at Butte College, um, and this CDC is is very uh, near and dear to my heart. Being here a year and a half, um, I've, I've become very uh, close with our families, very close with the children there. Uh, just today there was, I'll probably break up saying this, but there was a little packet of seeds um, in my mailbox left by one of the children who had moved on to kindergarten and said, thanks for helping me grow, you know. So isn't that sweet? <laughs> um, why did I say all of that? Because I think that I want us as a group to think about the CDC as an investment. I want us to, to always have that in mind, that it is not just uh, child care here on campus, but it is a place uh, for student support. Um, all of the statistics and things that go into this annual report are really boring and, and just a bunch of numbers and things like that. But when you start to look at it as being student support and education-driven, I think that that's where the importance comes in. So I'll share with you some of the information. I think I forgot my glasses. 
Um, but there are six areas of uh, early education and support that we have to measure uh, that go into this report. Those are involvement. That can be involvement in the uh, community. That can be involvement um, for our parents, um, involvement in the children's lives, involvement in students' lives. Um, the second is governance and administration, and that's just basically how we do our paperwork, how we keep track of um, enrollment, how we keep track of all those things. I don't know why that turned out that way. It didn't look like that on my screen. But anyway, um, and then the second is standards assessment and accountability, and that just is all of the the, um, the regulations that we are held to, state regulations, federal regulations. And the uh, next is staffing, professional development, taking care of our staff, making sure that we have enough staff, uh, opportunities, and equal uh, education access is another category. And so we want to make sure that, that the children um, have an equal opportunity and that the students are given equal opportunity when they apply uh, for child care in the Child Development Center. And the last is uh, teaching and learning. And so that that's kind of our focus uh, in in most of the report is the teaching and learning components. This year was a little bit different. Um, in the past, they would have us break things down a little more. Um, they wanted us to keep track of all of that, have that ready for them in case we were audited or somebody stopped in from the state to see those uh, records. But for the most part, what they wanted us to do is uh, summarize areas that we found um, that that did not meet standards, and then also report on areas where we met standards. And so that's kind of what's in this report that's um, that's attached to our, our board docs. Um, I don't want to go into a lot of the details, but the area of standards, assessment, accountability, we use a, a DRDP, all of these terminologies. DRDP is a, a developmental profile that we do for each of the children, and we do these twice a year. Um, so once in the fall semester, once in the spring semester. And that this gives us a way to measure growth and development with the children. And so we take the um, domains and we look at uh, the, the uh, domains that for learning and education and basically look at where children were, where they started and basically where they finished by the, by the end of the year. So one of the areas, I think it was on the report, yeah, um, go, yeah, yeah, right there, um, is in an area where we look at, uh, and I don't have my glasses, do you mind if I grab them real quick? The CDC takes care of children as young as two months old all the way through five years, seven months. And so each of these assessments is based on the age and their age appropriate for uh, the children that we're, we're observing. Um, the first area was approaches to learning and self-regulation. And these were marked both in the infants and the, and the uh, preschool ages as being something that is marked as significant. So when we looked at the, the groups, we noticed that 
they had started at one point, and by the end of the year, they had made significant significant growth in their development. Um, one of the areas is uh, for infants was exploring later. We had 8% at the beginning uh, who were exploring in that area of uh, learning and self-regulation. For an infant, self-regulation starts out as uh, knowing who's around them and, and knowing a little bit about themselves, knowing their environment. And um, by the end of the, the school year, these children are very aware of their environment, very aware of who are ta- who's taking care of them, um, and able to um, communicate their needs to the, the people around them. And so by the end of this, they weren't only exploring later, but they were also building um, later, which means that they were they were building bridges towards um, greater development. And this was the case also with the preschool classroom in the same area. And we also marked um, social-emotional development that was strong and also language and literacy development. And the report's there if you want to go into all the details and percentages, but I'm sure that you're just as bored with it as I am. Um, The area of concern was that we had a a visit by community care licensing in November 2015. Um, We didn't have carbon monoxide detectors in our classrooms, which was found as a deficiency. Um, Within, I think, less than a week, Matt, helped us, and we were able, Matt Christensen, we were able to have carbon monoxide detectors in our classrooms, in our offices, and um, that deficiency was corrected. The second deficiency uh, was more concerning, and this is a type A violation. The type A violation uh, stays on your record for an entire year. You have to report this to all of the parents in the program. You have to report this to parents who are uh, enrolling their children in the program that you had a type A deficiency. Um, so this is this concerns me when we have this type of a deficiency. Um, we worked with HR on the deficiency. It had to do with a, a person and a situation, um, and it was remedied. And the uh, state went ahead and, and signed off that 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 was remedied. Um, however, it's still on our record. So I just want to make sure that the this group is aware of that, and it will be until, um, let's see, May 2nd of 2017. We also use another uh, scale, which is the environmental rating scale. We use that for the infants, which is called the ITERS, and we use it for our preschool group, which is called the ECHRs, and that environmental rating scale looks at the entire classroom it looks at how things are set up in the classroom. It looks at um, the way things are presented to children. It basically puts things into on the child's level. So for a really great infant teacher, they get down on the floor and see things from an infant's perspective to see if a child is learning in their environment. Um, in the last uh, review that we had for, for Eckers and Itters, we... Uh, 
scored under a five, which we were supposed to score five and above for a state-run program. We scored under a five for display of uh, for children, so seeing things from the child's perspective, um, artwork, pictures of their parents, pictures of them, uh, different things that are displayed in the environment. And then safety practices, uh, there was some bolts that were discovered at the child's level that we corrected that since then. Um, and a room arrangement for play in the preschool room. We have to have the room set up in such a way that, that um, play is not interrupted. And so we were working on that and promoting acceptance of diversity. That sounds like a very serious thing in this environment, but for children what that means is that you have books that um, display many different uh, cultures and many different uh, people in different uh, settings so that children have that, that rich environment where they can pick up a book and see people that are similar to themselves or different from themselves. And so we need more books, <laughs> more puzzles, those types of things. So that's the bad news. Um, the good news goes back to my story of peace of mind, and our parents do have that peace of mind. Um, I was thinking of that uh, old MasterCard commercial that was like $46 for tuition, $460 for books. Peace of mind that your child is well taken care of at the CDC, priceless. Um, and I think that that's where our parents are at. And so there are some statistics that I did want to share with you. Um, and it was from our, our parents' surveys and also came up through our, um, our parent advisory committee. 90% of our parents that were surveyed uh, said that the CDC made it easier for them to attend um, their classes, education, and training. And so those are students that are here who are dropping their children off. You have 90% uh, of them saying that this situation, the CDC, made it easier for them. 100% indicated that they were satisfied or very satisfied with the overall quality of the program. 100% indicated they feel their child is safe in the program. 97% feel their child is happy in the program. And I think those are very great statistics. I want to share those with you because we shared the bad news, and sometimes we can say, well, maybe parents don't feel satisfied there, but they do. They feel very satisfied. They're happy with the program. Um, and so we're there for student support. I wanted to share two more statistics with you. In 2014-15, last year, we had 200 or we had 625 lab students come through the CDC. So we are a lab. We're not just the child here on campus, but we are also the lab here on campus for our um, child uh, family studies and education and also our nursing program. So we had 625 lab students come through last year, this year, and we're not even finished with this year. We still will have the rest of this month. But we've had so far 712 lab students come through the lab uh, this, this year. And so we are stretched thin. Uh, I shared with uh, Dr. Kraft and with uh, Bob Parker that, that the CDC had a rough year this year. Um, and we don't 
want to share the bad news next year, I would like for us to be able to share that we didn't have any findings um, that were negative, but we all had positive findings. And, um, and so I just ask that this group continues to uh, support and uh, invest in the CDC. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any questions? Yes, I have a question. Go ahead. So it sounds like uh, students certainly are aware of the program when they're here. Is it also something when we're doing outreach uh, to attract more students that they're aware of the program for single moms, for whoever, uh, single dads, what, you know. Uh, so I'm just curious at what point does the word get out? We, we have a very close relationship with um, the community resources for children. And so a lot of times parents start there um, looking for child care. They're uh, usually young parents who are looking to go back to school or go uh, enter into the job market. And so uh, CRC, has that. we have that close relationship. They refer quite a few people to us. Um, I think that in orientation, we also share with, with students that we have the Child Development Center on campus, so they're aware that way as well. I'm also thinking, because uh, I also sit on the Workforce Now Development Board, um, that in our one-stops, you know, are we making people aware there um, who, you know, are trying to get better jobs, need training, things like that, that this might be a, a place where that could also happen? Absolutely, yeah. As soon as I get back to my seat, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, go ahead. What, what agency oversees the CDC? Like, who are these people that come in and... Do they just come in unannounced so many times per year, and who are they? Community care licensing uh, does uh, frequently frequently come in unannounced. Uh, they don't have to announce that they're they're coming. Um, they can do surprise visits, and they kind of like to make sure that they they surprise you when they visit um, because they want to make sure that they're seeing things in a typical situation. Um, and so, when we were visited in November, we the only finding was the carbon monoxide detectors and everything else looked great um, and so we, uh, with the the other finding for the type a violation that was self-reported we reported that ourselves because it was such an egregious situation so. yes go ahead uh, Raphael. I'm sorry I have to agree with you about your report <laughs> but I want to thank you for your story thank you. the um, that really uh, kind of brought the point home to me about how this is about student success and achievement and support for the students. So when I read that report earlier, I had a hard time <laughs> getting through it. So really, your your story was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, it, you know, that story is shared. There's probably eight to ten people at the CDC who work at the CDC, and it's the same story where they started in the same exact place have their children there at the CDC. Thank you. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you very much. Moving on to the consent calendar, that's 11.0 inclusive, all the way to 11.3, excuse me, 11.13. Move to approve the consent calendar. Second. 
I'd like to pull, I just want to pull 11.3. Actually, 11.1 and 11.3. Any other? Uh, uh, just a quick question. I'm pulling it. Uh, 11.5. What is app armor? I, I will add 11.10, uh, and this is 11.10. Um, there is a uh, we don't term of the contract. Um, so we have we a motion. Have we have a motion on the floor to adopt as presented. Would you like to amend your motion? For what were those? What were the ones that were pulled again? Eleven one and eleven three. And I thought eleven ten. No. Sure. Did you pull eleven ten? No, I did not pull. I just wanted to say that there was a misspelling on that. I can't get to that. No. Public comment proposal, it says August 12th to August 15th, 2013, and this is actually in progress presently. If we don't approve it, they don't get breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> A little tardy, but uh, it's it's included. So it was the motion amended? Yes. We have a first second. second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Motion carries. Do we want to do it electronically in practice? Well, I, I can't quite keep up with you. So, um, <laughs> you're right. You're, you're right. Okay. Hang on a second. Can you tell me who, who made the motion? Marianne and, and Amy. Thank you. Second. Did not do it. We can't do that. that so presented with 11, 1, and 11, 3. Right. Oh, sorry. No pressure. <laughs> it's getting there. Did we all cooperate, Charlie? I think so. 
I have unanimous vote. Thank you. Are we waiting for something or you have everything you need, Caroline? Not yet. <laughs> Sorry, um, my drag and drop did not So 12.2 is the old 11.1, and 12.3 is the old 11.3. I see. Another action. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's good, right? You, you may have to refresh your view, and I'll ask them how to force that, because you shouldn't have to sort mm -hmm. of back all the way back out. To right. So we're doing 11.1, .1. is that what we're supposed to be doing? That's correct. Yeah, now you're going to action items, right? Yeah, so now you just go. So do we approve the consent calendar now? We yeah. did. Yeah. We did, okay. So the one is done, the others got reformed and into action items. Oh, I see. Right? So now when we go to action items, they'll, they'll have their turn. Correct. Correct? All right. Which is better? Because now you're not we're talking about. Okay. So now we're here. This stuff. So now we're done with. Four point one. Now we go to yeah, and now they're just reordered in here. Yes, I see how they do that. All right. <laughs> the twelve point one changes to the curriculum. I'll move approval. Second. Moving properly. Seconded. Is there any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Vote. Oh. Look out vote.
Charlie, could you tell us who was the last one to vote? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I show a unanimous vote, though. Thank you. 12.2 ratified financial documents warrants. This is... What about 12.2? That's the division chair election. I don't know where... Yeah, you got to refresh. Refresh. Yeah. Mine do the same thing. Okay. Um, so I, I, email, I emailed Dr. Kraft this question, but late, and I didn't get a chance to see if he responded. But um, Can you hold on one second? She's still refreshing her, so she's not there. That's all right. That's all right. No, I think we, need a, uh, we need a motion in a second anyway before we... Sure, you're on. You know. Approval. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so there were two payments on May 11th, one to Davin's Interpreting Services for 19000 and one for the Nature of Interpreting for 14700 And I was just wondering what kind of interpreting services these are, if they're for the hearing impaired or language translation or do you know offhand? I do. Okay. I've, been, I've been dying to answer this question. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they are actually both um, interpreting services for the hearing impaired. So it's students who were enrolled in our classes, and they were both um, services that were provided during the month of April. Um, Davin's uh, charges $73 an hour plus $0.54 a mile for mileage, and uh, nature of interpreting is $75 per hour. There's no mileage charge. And so for the year, if we include what you'll be seeing on the um, docket in in uh July, the payments that are made in June, um, total that we will have paid Davins for the years uh, just under $127,000. And for um, uh, Nature of Interpreting, it's about $115,000. And so all of these are funded through the funds that we get from the state for providing DSPNS services. Okay, so just as a follow-up question, this might be more for Dr. Kraft, but have we ever just hired people on staff to do interpreting? You know, I don't know that question, but when I saw these same numbers, it, that same question yes, came to me. Yes, the answer exactly. is And yes. Joanne would know, I think, probably, you know. From we have done that. Um, it's, a, it's a mixed bag because if you have a, a, uh, a fully employed an employee who does interpreting and your deaf population drops off, drops off, it's a loser. So economically, you'll find throughout the system that uh, what we're doing now in hiring, uh, uh, contracting is the most economical. What, what is the total for both agencies for the year? So the total for both would be... Uh, just under $250,000. I I will, I can only speak for uh, the district that I worked for previous to this, and that was, uh, that district also used outside services because of the nature of the services and the unpredictability of the need for the services. It was more economical, as Joanne points out, more economical to use outside services um, and more, quite frankly, reliable to use outside services because you could have 
the need for two, three, four interpreters all at the same yeah. time. That's the trick. You may employ one full time, and then you have your deaf population increases, so then you have to hire part-time anyway. The other thing is the deaf person has the right uh, amongst interpreters available to, you know, have, to ask for somebody particular. We don't, we're not obligated by law to do that, but we try to accommodate. And uh, this is the advantage of having a, uh, you know, an outside group because there, there are more people there to, provide the services and it's it's uh Davin interpreting uh but the we from time to time have had you know uh large numbers the other thing is that you know i've been retired with 10 years i mean the the amount that's now being charged is uh you know double what it was 10 years ago so i mean in that that's because of the specialization. I mean, the interpreters that we use for graduation, you know, that's an outside, uh, an additional cost beyond the, the uh, beyond the classroom, and yet it's what we're obligated to do. The other thing I wanted to point out in terms of some of the issues uh, with uh, uh, deaf and, and interpreters, that if there is a deaf person that wants to come to a board meeting, the obligation they need to give to ask for an interpreter 24 hours in advance. We're not obligated to keep somebody standing by, so to speak, but that's uh, um, that's what's required by us to, to provide. It's a good, I mean, if you, the Davins, for example, both parents uh, were deaf, and they had four or five children. And uh, so this is, you know, now they run their own interpreter service. I'm wondering maybe like in the last five years, what's the least we've ever had to spend on interpreting services? Do you know what I mean? That's like a really high number, but you're saying it fluctuates. Just curious. It would depend upon the number of deaf students. I mean, you'd have to go back and look at those records. That number I don't have off the top of my head. No, I'm just curious. Thank you. (laughs) But we could get that for you. Thank you. Any other? Uh, all right, let's let's electronically vote. And I have revised the motion to ratify financial documents as presented. You were the second, I thought. Yeah. Who was last again? Joanne. Everyone has voted. One. <laughs> yes, it was me, but my I thought we did this one, approve the consent calendar without No, the the motion isn't reading correctly on your I will I didn't change it till after I opened voting, sorry. The all of my colleagues here <laughs> voted without clarifying that. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Yeah. Got it. We're going in order. Yeah. Now we. 
an hour on the about this is that all we're doing is staring at the stupid screen and, and not interacting uh, uh, with the people anyway, or not. I think it's a little like horseback riding, you know, we'll get better at it, you know, be able to multitask and, and uh, we're not ready for America's Got Talent yet. <laughs> Maybe. So we're looking at the uh, 12.3 Human Resources document. So um, I don't know who would answer this question, but I'm just curious. I noticed a lot a of... motion first? Yes, we need a motion and a second. Move to approve. Go ahead, Trustee yeah. Amy. I noticed um, a lot of clinical lab specialists and scenario of evaluators, like many independent contractors hired as clinical lab specialists and scenario evaluators. I was just curious what those were. I'm not sure. Do you, I don't know whether we toss that to Charo or not. Are you able to? You know, I think because the instructions out tonight is a little yeah, tough. That's okay. But, okay. Yeah. So maybe next meeting. Or, yeah, sure. Well, I, okay. I do recognize oh. Ronnie lives about five houses Do down from me. He's a retired captain of the Napa yeah. Fire Department. He teaches EMT. He's fully qualified in that regard. And, and he does this on a part-time basis. And he is one of those mentioned. Which, the scenario evaluators or the clinical lab specialists? Clinical. And Ken has got... Yeah, I just going to... The scenario evaluators are part of the police academy. So when they're doing scenarios, they're hiring... Uh, usually off-duty police officers who are the people who are actually doing the evaluation of the cadets. And so they're, they're hired just to grade a particular scenario. And, and so that's why they're part-time employees. And so you'll see a whole group of them at the end of every academy, so a couple times a year, and then you'll see that spike come up. They grade the cadets? Yeah, so the cadets are required by uh, under post. They have to perform certain tests. Those tests have to be graded by a police officer who goes through, and we evaluate them performing a scenario. So that's that's, And then they have to sign off on the evaluation. So the instructors don't evaluate their students? Independent no, people do? the instructor does not. They're, they are specifically an evaluator. They don't provide instruction. They're evaluating the cadet's ability to take that instruction and turn it into a real action. Thank you. Hmm? All right, let's uh, let's vote. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Let's now vote electronically. While maintaining eye contact with the That went smooth, I think. 12-4, results of the division chair elections. Do I hear a motion? Move to approve. A second? Dan had the second. Any discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. There it is. 
Moving into 12.5, the tentative budget, 2016-2017. Move to approve. Is there a second out there? Second. Second by Raphael. Any discussion on this? Yeah, I'd like I have some discussion or questions. Um, Go ahead. First of all, I want to apologize for not being at the special meeting. I actually didn't know about it. I was getting emails only to my college email and not to my personal, and I hadn't checked my college, to be honest. So I didn't know about it, so I apologize. Um, but I did have a couple questions um, that came up as I was preparing for the meeting. The first one, um, so I noticed that you know the year's not over so we don't know how it's going to turn out but that there was uh it was anticipated that there would be a 1.2 million dollar surplus at the end of this year that's correct and and so i'm wondering where did did that go into the tentative budget for next year did it get rolled over to next year and if so where did it go so it really comes from uh a board action that was taken back in i believe it was october or november of uh, last year, and it has to do with the additional $3.2 million that came in in this current fiscal year from the state. And so the plan for those funds was to earmark $500,000 for uh, technology initiatives to take a certain amount of money and put that aside uh, to pay uh, PERS and STRS increases that were anticipated for uh, 16, 17, 17, 18, and 18, 19, and then the goal was to add $1.1 million to our fund balance reserve moving forward. And so that's that's what that represents, the uh, action to utilize a percentage or a piece of that $3.2 million in unexpected funds to increase our fund balance, sort of like our rainy day reserve um, moving forward. So the one point two million went to the, into the reserve. It will go into it the will reserve. Go. Yeah. Okay. Is it not shown in the tentative budget? So that we're not showing the full reserve in the tentative budget because the year hasn't ended yet. Um, but that will, when we get to the uh, final or approved budget in the fall, and we will have the final numbers for uh, fifteen sixteen. At that point, then we would show that increase in the in the reserve. And then um, the other question was about Prop 30 monies, which I know that the increase in the state sales tax uh, from Prop 30 is set to sunshine in December of next year. So I'm wondering, is that also reflected in the tentative budget? So that it's also reflected in the tentative budget. So you see when you look at the tentative budget that we are budgeting a decrease in funds from the state, and that reflects the sunset of that piece of Prop 30 that takes place in December of 16. Okay. And um, let's see. Uh, Oh, and the last question. Um, Last year, um, the board received a list of how much money each budget center would be receiving, and I'm wondering if we could get a list of that again. Yes, we can. It's – and – what we're doing currently with the individual budget centers, the way that the budget had been has been allocated in the past is kind of at a high level when it comes to budget centers. And what we're planning to do in this upcoming fiscal year is to utilize or utilize the system. So what basically happens is that some of our budget center managers are then uh, keeping Excel spreadsheets or some 
piece of paper off to the side, hopefully not a piece of paper off to the side, but hopefully at least an Excel spreadsheet, but where they're tracking how much is being spent by each of the programs within their area. We should be using the system to do that. And so what we'll be working on with our budget center managers over the next month or so is to look at allocating those funds. We'll do two things. First of all, they'll be able to see by program how um, they're tracking. Also, it allows us to turn budget checking on within the system so that the system will be checking to see if budget is available when requisitions or purchase orders are entered into the system. So that's a long way of saying that as we move toward the adopted budget, we will have much better information to provide in terms of how much is allocated to each budget center. Thank you. Any other questions or discussion? Well, and it's, a, it's already been seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. The electronic vote will follow. Thank you. All right. 12-6. 2015-2016 interfund transfer. A motion on the floor? Uh, Second? Second. Discussion. Yeah, which way is this uh, going? Uh, you know, we, we have the five-year... Uh, it's, uh, it's always been the goal that the uh, child care center would be um, self-sufficient. And uh, then, of course, the state has taken this and taken that. So, um, Actually, I had the same question because when I looked at the support document, it, it actually looked like it is, that it's bringing in the same amount of money that it, that it spends. So I was wondering why the need to transfer 125000 from the general fund to the program. So let me just say two things about that. First of all, the uh, supporting document, and I think the way perhaps the way it's presented in the supporting document might be a little confusing because what you see yeah. in the supporting document is the fact that we do anticipate transferring about $53,500 in the current year to support the operations of the CDC. The reason that your resolution says not to exceed 125000 is that when you look at that five years, um, the highest that we've seen in the past four years and including the current year that we haven't finished yet was around 120000 And so it's saying that it won't exceed one twenty-five just to keep it at that maximum level that we saw a few years back. If you look at the budget that you just approved, the tentative budget, the budget for the CDC for the coming year also includes a transfer or the potential of a transfer of 53500 As Daryl mentioned, we have met with the CDC to look at the budget overall. You know, the CDC really is a number of different activities. One of those activities is to serve as a lab for our students. And so there may be things, and there's a heavy reliance on hourly employees in the CDC right now. And so we'll be looking to make sure that we're providing the appropriate level of support to the CDC, making sure that the things that are included in the CDC budget are truly CDC expenses 
and not expenses that might be part of the instructional program. And so as we move toward the adopted budget, you may see some changes and probably will see some changes in that uh, CDC budget. Well, obviously, I finally see how, you know, I mean, from where we were in 11-12, I guess that my interest in this is in uh, supporting um, all the efforts going on there and that, uh, so I, I like that maximum of 125 the, in terms of the 53. Give some flexibility at least for the uh, for the CDC. Any other questions, comments? We have a motion and a second. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Parker's busy this evening. Are we ready for, uh, no, we're still calculating here. Well, I haven't got it. There it is. I had my thing open. So, Carolee, you just might mention that if you pull up a document, you have to close it or your vote doesn't, uh, the little vote window doesn't doesn't show up. Oh, okay. Thank you. 12.7, resolution establishing a 2016 2017 appropriations limits. Move to approve. Second. Move and probably second. Let's hear some discussion. Mr. Parker, are you prepared to answer any questions? Yes, I am. <laughs> I don't see any hands. I uh, just I don't really understand what it is, to be honest. Well, I don't know. Thank you for asking that. So I don't question, have a question. So. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> So this is actually the result of Proposition 4 that was passed in 1979. The sponsor was Paul Gann, which is why it's referred to as the Gann Limit. But every year, public agencies have to come up with an appropriations limit that's based on growth rates in the state as well as your own growth rate to determine that what is being appropriated by the state legislature to support your program isn't in excess of what you need based on the appropriations limit. As you can see, ours is well under what we would achieve, uh, uh, well under our GAN limit or appropriations limit. Any other questions? Uh, I'll, let's uh, do the vote then. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Oh, we might just be able to do this after all. <laughs> Thank you. I think I need these came with uh, uh, my uh, the mouse, didn't it? Yes. They yeah. Did. You, yeah. Do you need a new mouse? Well, no. It's in the it's in the bag. I just uh, I don't know. Move approval of twelve eight. Twelve point eight. 12.8, do we have any discussion on, uh, regarding 12.8? It's, it's your night tonight. So <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, when we do the health checklist, the financial health checklist, there's that one category if you're using one-time monies for ongoing expenses, and I'm just wondering, does this fall into that category since they're, it's all going to faculty salaries and it's, it's not maybe one time, but it's a limited time that we have these monies? Right. Uh, and so actually, the Prop 30 money must be used to import it to support the instructional program. So 
we actually have to demonstrate to the state and our auditors have to verify for the state that the Prop 30 money is actually being used to support. So it was, in a, in a, in a sense, they're one-time funds, but they're one-time funds to replace or support uh, programs that were being underfunded as a result of, of uh, state budget cuts and, and uh, lack of a state budget. So we are actually, in this case, required to use those funds only to support the instructional program. So does it mean it has to be, I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but only for faculty salaries, or could it be other way of supporting student success and instruction? It, it actually has to be in the classroom. So it, it could be other activities that take place in the classroom. Most districts um, take the, the, the uh utilize the avenue that we're utilizing here, which is the simplest way to demonstrate that you've spent that money is to demonstrate that you're applying it to faculty salaries and benefits. Any other questions, comments? All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 We know who's last this time. Twelve point nine, the five-year capital outlay construction plan and district order of priorities, which is an annual submission to the state, and this is what we're looking at. The attachment number one: classrooms, activity center, building two hundred. Well, you know the the bond that's going to be oh, on in November and previous. We we don't have a motion here. Kyle's right there with the motion. Kelsey is, is seconding. All right. Go ahead, Joanne. Thank you. In previous years, this list, um, the construction plan, the colleges that had uh, something on file in Sacramento in terms of specific buildings that were uh, on the list to ready to go, those... Yeah, see down there, projects qualifying for matching funds if available. Um, and that's what, so they have, this list is important to send uh, to keep keep that alive in case that measure passes, the billion, whatever, bajillion, billion dollars it was. I had a question. Is there, what about like the track and field and like the field? Could that go in to this list too? I mean, if we wanted to put new dirt out on the track, or that's not a capital. I don't think that's it. No, so this is this is specifically for uh, the construction of facilities or modernization of existing facilities. So that might answer my question. Some of them, there's it just says. Building 2200 physical science, does that mean that's a new building if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't say anything more than that? I just didn't know what it meant when it just said building 2200 physical sciences or building 900 student services and no other detail. Right. So the, the, so building 200 is a new building. Building 2200 would be a new building. Um, Building uh, 900 student services would actually be a combination of an upgrade to an existing building and the construction of a new building. What we're 
really talking about. And all of these were advised, and all of these are in our draft facilities master plan. So this um, all comes from that draft facilities master plan. So 900 would be constructing a building which would be an infill of the internal plaza as well as renovation of the existing 900 building. The reason that they're sequenced this way, the reason that uh, the facilities committee has sequenced them, them this way is that, for example, the 200 building allows us to build some large format classrooms. If we build that building, then we can eliminate the bungalows, which are currently large format classrooms, which allows us to build the 2200 building. When the 2200 building is constructed, then we can renovate the 1800 building because now the labs move from 1800 to 2200. So that's how it's sequenced. We don't currently qualify for state funding for new facilities or expanded facilities because we're not growing but we would qualify for state funding for some of our older buildings. The 1800 building was constructed in the 60s, um, and so we would qualify for state matching funds for renovation or upgrading those buildings. Would the Veterans Resource Center fall into one of those? Which one? So that would actually be in the Building 200 Classroom Slash Activity okay. Center. That's a, 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 the current plan would be to construct a new student activities center, which would also include a veteran center in that building. Any other questions? Uh, I'm going to ask you all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. I know we're on a roll, but I want to ask for a ten minute recess. Oh. It is 7.51. Moving to 12.11. Approve contracts with the Department of Education for Child Development Center. Move to approve. Moved and properly seconded. Uh, is there any discussion on this? We have a Amy. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Well, I just had a question because I mean it's a pretty significant dollar amount, seven hundred eighty-seven thousand, and doesn't say it was that we budgeted for it. And then I read kind of into the item, and it said if funding becomes available. So I just was confused. Like, where might this funding come from? I believe it's seven six eighty-seven. I thought you had said seven. Six hundred eighty-seven thousand. Significant figures. So this funding is included in the um, in uh, in the CDC budget. There would also be uh, comparable expenses associated with it as well. And so, if the funding level, if the funding comes at a lower level, the expenses would be lower as well. So, so this is in the tentative budget. It, it, a, a piece of this or a portion of this is in the tentative budget. Yes. So, where, where could the rest of it potentially come from? Because it said I was reading. Let's see, where is it? Um, it says funding of this agreement is contingent upon appropriation and availability of sufficient funds. So, I guess I'm just trying to figure out where the funds so this, might come from. 
this funding would be coming from the funding agency from from and so if they have funds available to increase this up to this level they would so it's it's basically just saying that when they appropriate their funds that this is the level of funding that they expect to give to us okay so we could get money from the agency yes okay thank you any other questions comments all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Thank you. 12.11, increase in compensation, college president, current contract of the college president expires June 30th, 2017. Mr. Chair, I'd like to uh, make a motion to uh, approve the compensation that we discussed previously, which would be the 3% for the uh, new for the extended contract? The term of the contract only. Do I hear a second? Been moving probably second. Does there any discussion on this? Yeah, yes, think, go ahead, please. I just have concerns. Um, while I appreciate Dr. Kraft's service, I, I feel that $235,000 a year is plus benefits is already very high salary. Um, and I'm concerned because our budget hasn't been good the last two years, even though we're in good economic times and Prop 30 monies could be going away and we could have an economic downturn. So I just don't think it would be financially prudent. And also, I don't think it would be good from a PR perspective right now to increase the salary of the president. So I don't support it. This is... Uh Make sure we're we're clear. Uh, it's, what we're talking about is three percent starting at the beginning of his new contract. We're not talking about any compensation, any additional compensation between now and uh, the the start of his seventeen eighteen contract. And um, I I believe that. Uh, well, I can speak for myself specifically, but we've done that. I've done due diligence in reviewing the uh, salaries of CEOs in our vicinity, and Napa Solano, uh, other districts, single campus districts of similar size, and we are the lowest amongst um, amongst those. So I um, I don't think it's unreasonable to. Um, he, he's, he works out this contract with no increase, but then starting at seventeen eighteen is the increase. I guess for me, and, and I, I didn't get to see the numbers, that that number is low compared to other community colleges in the area of a similar size. But if it is low, then to me that just means that the other salaries are too high because I, I feel that $235,000 per year for a college president, is a, it's a very good salary. So, again, given the budget the last two years and the fact that we could be well, in even worse shape in the future, I, I don't think it's financially prudent. We use a statewide uh, uh, compensation study done by the American Association of Community College Administrators, so we're not, you know, pulling rabbits out of the hat here. It's the established uh, comparison for... Uh, uh, for CEOs in the state of California, and of course, you know, because we're a single campus district, there uh, and small, but there is a 
comparable group, and that's uh, that's where our information uh, came for came from. And you always have to look at too um, when you're looking at salaries what it would take to go out and find a person to uh, replace that person. So you know to to not give an increase, knowing what if you had to. You know, if your current person decided to leave due to the fact that they didn't get that increase, you'd have to pay that amount to replace them. I guess I would hope that somebody wouldn't leave because they weren't satisfied with the $235,000 salary. I, I, I think the logic behind these high salaries is that you're going to get good talent if you have that and you're going to get better people, but... I think it actually could be exactly the opposite, that you get the wrong people because you get people who are interested in the money rather than in education and the vocation. And, I, you know, teachers, they don't do it for the money. They do it for the vocation. And I think it should be the same way for administrators. So I just think these salaries are way too high. Diana, you have a comment? Yes, I'd just like to be on record for the association noting that our president was the um, – I believe the fourth or fifth highest paid in the state, and now I believe is somewhere more toward the 10th, but the faculty are between the 65th and 69th highest paid faculty, meaning the bottom out of the 73 districts. In addition to that, that's our base salary. That doesn't include that colleges that make more than us also do not pay out of pocket for health insurance, for which your faculty at this college currently do. I pay out of my salary about $600 a month or more in in um, toward my benefits, so there is the gap. We are the 69th highest paid salary faculty right now. Kind of along those lines too. I know that um, you know faculty and classified have recently gotten raises, but they hadn't had a raise for seven years. Whereas you know the president and other administrators coming in within the last few years are coming in at market rate. So um, yeah, I. I I feel. Well, I uh, respectfully, we are not, we are not at the top ten of the list for single campus districts anywhere close to that. But um, call for the question. Are there comments? Uh, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. And we're waiting for the electronic. Motion carries. 12.13, this is the new or revised board policies. This is the second reading. We're reading the board policy 2715, Code of Ethics, Board of Trustees. Move to approve. To approve, is there a second? This is the one we saw first reading of uh, several months ago. Here, did you get the second from Kelsey Hadfield? Did we? Oh, did somebody second? Yes. Okay. So did we definitely determine that we were going to use Robert's rules? Well, we had some discussion about it. I don't know that we agreed to uh, to use. There was no, we ever voted on it or no there was no discussion about you uh, changing that um, whether we would utilize Robert's rules or not the discussion we had was whether we would add 
the word only uh, in the, the second page to this. Let's see, where are we? Uh, second paragraph uh, where it says the CEO and board chair are authorized to consult with legal counsel that we had discussion about whether we should add that only the CEO and board chair. Um, we considered that uh, and decided that that's not necessary. It already says this is the, the authority here, the board's authority for you know consulting with legal counsel, and it only authorizes the CEO and the board chair to consult with legal counsel. We don't need only in there. So we the recommendation is to approve it as is. Okay. Any other comments, questions? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Moving to, that includes the uh, action items. Moving to the board reports, 13.1. This is the Standing Committee and other appointments reports. We hear from uh, Rafael Rios. Thank you. I have no report. The uh, Redevelopment Oversight Committee, Joanne spoke a little bit about that you earlier. Are, yeah, you, you've already heard. Uh, I, I provided him the information and thought, you know, gave a context which we haven't had before. So, the Legislative Affairs Committee. Didn't meet. No report. No report. The Audit Committee. No report. Very good. Moving on to 13.2, the ad hoc committee reports. The Foundation District Relationship Ad Hoc Committee. Who's the spokesperson there? And the Board of Trustees Policy Manual, Chapter 2, Ad Hoc Committee. We've had some discussion, but we have uh, not no consensus yet. Looking at the um, minutes, the policy on, on minutes and what will be recorded and what won't. We'll have something for sure to bring forward at the next meeting in terms of the board policy on the minutes. Very good. Um, as the... Uh, I, um, Super. Yes. There were the the regular uh, trustee reports item was inadvertently left off. So if you would like to do that now, you start. The other trustee reports. You mean the trustee reports? <laughs> well, outside of the committee trustee yes, reports. Yes. yes. All right. Very good. I, I wanted to add though, once uh, the uh, um, finalization of the. President Superintendent contract. I'll be looking for a um, ad hoc committee for uh, CO goal settings and so on and so forth. We'll continue that discussion at another meeting. Uh, so let's begin with the trustee reports, and I will start with Dan. Dan looks like he's ready to go. More or less. Short report. Uh, went to the spring luncheon. It was uh, kind of sparsely attended, unfortunately, but it was an excellent lunch. Had a good time. In fact, it was so good I went the next day with my wife and in-laws. And 
And even though it was the same meal, it was so good I could have done it that day after day. It was excellent. Commencement, we were all there. We all know what happened. It was, it was a wonderful event. And moving it outdoors was just a great idea. Time has come. Um, I've mentioned, I've talked before about uh, bicycles and, and incorporating the, the Vine Trail with the college and having an event from the college since it is now the starting point that goes all the way to Yonville. I uh, spoke with Ben Casada, and he I didn't know this, but the Bicycle Coalition meets here twice a year, and he said they're going to meet this summer, and he'll invite me to that. Hopefully we'll get something going to have a college event wrapped around bicycles. That's it. Thank you. Campus, campus. What do you, you mean the uh, clarification? Was it sparsely attended the the whole restaurant event both days? No, no, just the no, number of just the number of people. were uh, yes, a little yes. light. Some had to work, I believe, and others. Uh, so, yes, some forgot. Some forgot. Yes, go ahead, uh, Marianne, please. So I'm always amazed of the at the reach of uh, Napa Valley College. I was in Half Moon Bay, and I was in a little boutique shopping, and um, I heard somebody talking, saying something about Napa. So you're from Napa? I'm from Napa, and we just back and forth. So I sat on the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees, and sure enough, guess where this woman started out? <laughs> At Napa Valley College, and went on and on about how wonderful uh, her experience was, and it, it seems like um, you know, I you just there isn't anywhere you can go that you don't run into somebody who had an experience at one point in time, and it was always a good experience with uh, Napa Valley College. Second thing I want to say is we've made history after two hundred and forty years, and uh, I hope people realize how significant. Uh, that historical moment has been that a woman is the nominee for president. So, um, you know, I just don't know if everybody appreciates the magnitude. I just can't get it out of my head. It's just so amazing. Uh, so, anyway, I wanted to say that. And then I just want to say one other thing, and I hope I can, but I may not be able to. I lost a really close friend. Less than a week ago. Uh, you probably heard about a man that was hit on a bike near Napa Airport. And he was a really close friend, like a brother to me. But the thing that I want to say that's I think ends this on a on a high note is that um, so much has been said, so many people have called, so many people have responded on Facebook and and just talk about how kind and compassionate of a person Paul Shapiro was. And I think if there's anything that you know that I just take away from that is that 
you know, nobody's talked about anything that he owned or, you know, just, you know, they talked about his heart. They talked about how kind and the kind of person he was. And I don't think that there's anyone who wouldn't want to be remembered in that way. And um, just how important um, being kind really is and what a magnitude, what a... Uh, impact that it has on everyone around you. So um, I will miss him. I will miss him, and because he was just an amazingly kind person. Thank you. Joanne. Well, I, I just want to comment that uh, this is my favorite time of year in terms of the graduations and the uh, with the culinary school, uh, you know, where some of these folks are doing their their externships, it's it it, it puts in perspective why we sit here and and, uh, and do what we do. The successes, I mean, the, you probably I was there every day that one week at different groups that that, uh, that I went with, but there was the older gentleman, I don't know if you saw him when you were there or not, but uh, he's had a full career with uh, uh, one of the oil companies, and I said to him, how, how can you consider beating the pavement or the, the hard concrete floor in a restaurant? You know, and he said, oh, I'm not going to work in a restaurant, I'm going to own one. Okay, I mean this. This we we go all the way from the young person who this is their first career to uh, to someone like him, and then you know the psych tech graduation where everybody's got a job. They're walking out the door, and and uh, uh, you know that's my reward. Amy, thanks. Okay. Um, well, like everybody else, I enjoyed uh, comm commencement and. My favorite part last year and this year um, was the student speakers. I thought that both both years you've had amazing student speakers, and this year in particular, I, I enjoyed listening to their stories. Um, also, I went to a wine tasting with uh, recently for Gustavo Brambilla, uh, who is actually Hector Brambilla's brother, um, and he's famous for being um, at. Having been at Stag's Leap Winery during the famous Paris tasting, he was just in his first year of winemaking, but he was there at the time. Um, and he's also, he told me that he started the first Latino bonded winery in Napa County. Um, and he got his roots, he said, in the Napa Valley College Viticulture and uh, Winery Technology Program. And he brought up that it would be really nice to have a uh, wine tasting fundraiser for Napa Valley College where the money could go to Napa Valley College, but it would also be a chance to for them to get some publicity. Um, he said it could be just vintners who started at Napa Valley College or not, just vintners in general, but he just said it would be nice to have this kind of win-win where we raise money for the college, but at the same time they get some exposure. Um, so he's, that was a suggestion he had. Um, and then lastly, I just wanted to respond to um, Diana's statement at the end of the last meeting about board reports and what's supposed to be in them as it's written on the agenda. Um, and I would like to request that the board chair and president um, take out the piece about them not being 
controversial, about them being non-controversial. Uh, most of the des description on the agenda of, of what uh, should be in the board reports actually comes from the Brown Act. But of course, the idea of them being non-controversial, that's not in the Brown Act. Um, so I would like that language to just become straight Brown Act language as far as what should be in a board report. And I actually looked it up, and it was interesting. Um, it mentioned that we can ask questions for clarification, make brief announcements, report on our activities, request factual information, request a report back to the board, and also make requests for future agenda items. So all of those things can be in a board report. Um, and sometimes in our role of, of representing the community and, and the public, some of those questions or requests for information might be considered controversial, and that's part of our job to, to sometimes raise those issues and questions, um, and we shouldn't be hampered in that way. So I would uh, request that either comes out or that it come before the board as a discussion item in the future. And that's it. I'd uh, just like to congratulate the whole district, classified administration, faculty, everyone for a job well done with the graduating class. and. I look forward to the next year and also summer classes. Raphael. Just a couple of comments. Yes, it was me that missed the spring restaurant. <laughs> I was both working and I forgot. Um, I, commencement, I, commencement was wonderful again. I was a little bit disappointed to be sitting up there while there were, you know, a pretty good line of students waiting to go across the stage and looking out, and half of the students had left. So it was a little disappointing to see that. I thought, you know, a little disrespectful. I know they had already received their diploma covers uh, and were excited, but I think it takes a little bit away from those that were still waiting to, to receive theirs. I don't know how or whether you can do anything about that, but that was a little disappointing. Oscar, you have a comment on that? <laughs> yes, Oscar does have a comment. Pass through, Jessica. Um, <laughs> no, but actually, I, I felt the exact same way as I looked out, and 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 I can understand because their families were right there, and the families, I'm sure, were saying, "Yay, I want to just hug you and and congratulate you." Because so so I can understand that. But one of the thoughts that I had, and I actually sort of discussed this with others as well, that maybe what we should do is offer a $500 scholarship that will be delivered after all the diplomas are, are delivered that you have to be present to win. Something like that. And maybe it's not a scholarship, but, but something, an incentive that basically says your presence is really important all the way through this commencement ceremony. And it really is. For the very beginning, everyone was there. And then toward, and it's a long commencement ceremony. We had 358 students participating, a record number, which we're very, very excited about and proud of. But I do think walk that it made a difference. That was how many walked through the line? Pardon? That's how many walked through the line? 358. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. So, I'm, again, we're so proud and excited, but but I think it. we have to give them a reason to stay in that seat, I think. We call their names <laughs> randomly. and. <laughs> There actually isn't an order. They actually are are based on how they show up, and then they submit the cards. So it appears that there's an order, but it's not alphabetical yeah. or by program. It's it, it is a random order. Good so well, I think one of the things we need to do is to cut off the front end. I mean, you know, the speeches that 
who cares? Uh, I mean, you know, parents don't care what the board president has to say or <laughs> or even the president. I mean, the, the short, that was like, you know, 40 minutes or something. So, I mean, cutting that off, uh, you know, would, uh, uh, and I exaggerated, I understand, but still that's, you know. Well, and I think moving forward, it sounds like the president is suggesting that there be a committee that work on commencement as yeah, as a as a co- so idea. so really there 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 are a lot of voices, including students' voices, that can help determine what will keep them in their seats. I came up with the the idea of the scholarship just because I thought what would keep them there, you know, yeah. <laughs> money. Um, but but anything, and I think yeah, having that group discussion would would be helpful yeah, to but know. The, you know, with that many, there's just no way that that uh, some of them aren't going to. You know, I mean, there was. There were parents and family that were standing up. There weren't enough, you know, uh, there wasn't enough sit-down space. Right. And also the taco truck being over there, I don't know whose idea that was, but that was, you know, that also was. People got hungry. Too, and- yeah. <laughs> Mr. Chair, that concludes go. my report. Yes, thank oh, you. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Mr. Oscar apologizes Mr. profusely. How long was my speech? Four minutes and 53 seconds or something like that? I heard it was 12. It's also, the if anybody doesn't know, they could relive the entire ceremony at yeah. Tampa Broadcasting. Yes, it's there. So um, we, we I'm going to jump a little bit, announcement of future meetings. Uh, that um, I know there was an email across, 7-7 or something like that. Is what we have. Is that officially there, changed? Is that changed? I Aren't we having the 14th or something? Um, I haven't heard back from everyone, but we were trying to change the meeting from 7 7 a Thursday, the first Thursday, to 7 13, which is a Wednesday of the following week. How many haven't you heard from? I've heard from two. Why? That, hasn't, that doesn't work for me, 7 13. Oh. That's why we have a vice chair. Well, I know I responded that it would be, I could work with that. Can't we just do a... I can do it. Right now? I'm not sure that I can. Why not Thursday the 14th? No, I couldn't make it. Was it the 14th? I believe that you you weren't available on the 7th or the 14th was we were trying to work around those two Hmm. windows. Can we keep it in the same week, but just a different day or does it need to stay on a Thursday? No. A Wednesday. Okay. I I can do it. I kind of wanted it to stay in that week, but if it has to be moved to the next week, I could do it. The 13th is okay? Okay. The The week of the 7th is the week of the 4th of July, so I don't know if that matters to your schedule. Raphael, you were yes? If it's up in St. Lena, yes. Which you could do as well. So, I have, so uh, when something like that happens, the board meeting gets changed. If a board member doesn't make it, um, is that board member... You know, dinged for not. Yes, they don't get their You'll you'll see them out on the corner. Of <laughs> I thought we could wave that, though. As a board, we can wave that. Yes, right? you can. 
by a resolution. All right, so um, get your replies in to Kara Lee. So what is the well, Can we do it right now? Day? I thought we just did. You did? All right. I have a no for Michael. Joanne's a yes. Dan's a yes. Kyle is a yes. Marianne is maybe. Amy's yes. Kelsey, yes. Raphael is yes. So, so that's the 13th? Correct. Wednesday the 13th. Sounds like a conspiracy. First, you don't like my speech, and then it's, I didn't yeah, say I, I didn't, say I didn't like it. Oh, it's just the length of it, because you know, I mean, you need to submit it for editing. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Raphael did. All right, let's go. Let's. That's my turn now. So, thank you all very much. Um, yeah, and uh, again, uh, Dan's campus to campus bike ride. Um, Exciting. Maybe we could. Honor Shapiro with that. Um, I did meet a, and this is regarding the November, um, November 5th possibility of a fundraiser. I did have conversation with a caterer. This is all coincidental that I'd be more than happy to turn over to Kara Lee. But I, I thought I'm a, a, of a person of interest when he started talking how he did Zuckerberg's uh, a Christmas party and be very interested in uh, working with the college. He's done from 50 to 8,000 people. And he was just uh, coincidentally coming through the Valley after doing uh, a couple of events in the Valley here over the, this past weekend. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'll forward you his contact information. His um, vice president of events has already gotten back with her contact information. So I'll forward that to you. Thank you, Mike. of interest. And, and he had some wonderful ideas about incorporating students into the whole thing. And about how you could work your, the catering, uh, you know, the, the school, the cooking school, and so on and so forth into this. Uh, very helpful. Um, so anyway, I'll forward that information. Uh, other than that, um, Today is, uh, and, and this is kind of symbolic, but it kind of makes sense, but back in 1856, because there was no money, uh, this is when the, the first uh, uh, hand carts started coming west for four years, from Iowa City to Salt Lake City, and yes, this was uh, part of the, the Mormons. Uh, There's no money to support the migration, so they went to hand carts. By pushing and pulling, they took their belongings with them over a thousand miles over rough roads and hostile terrain to get where they wanted to go. He said, "If you have to girdle your loins, we're going to do it." And look that up. Uh, anyway, um, thank you very much. Uh, uh, safe travels to you all, and. I conclude this meeting at 8.37 Pacific Daylight Time. Oh.